Hey, what's up, guys? This is Sarah McAllister, and you're listening to The Business Perspective, where we talk to successful businessmen and women about their business journey, difficult experiences that help them become successful, and then dive in deep into something they specialize in. Uh, today's guest I'm very excited uh, about, and I'm excited for you to hear his journey and uh, hear how he became a successful commercial real estate broker. And uh, without further ado, please welcome Bob Rand. How's it going? Very good, Sarah. Thank you for coming and uh, having a conversation with me today. Of course, yes. So before we dive deep into what it is that you do, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? What did you do prior to real estate? All that good stuff. Well, I grew up in New England, uh, born in Massachusetts, moved down to Florida from Connecticut. Um, when I was 15 years old, wow, and uh, been here ever since. Did you move? You moved with family. Moved mo okay. with my family. Yeah, my family moved down here. My father bought a business, and and uh, and I spent. Uh, actually, it's interesting. I learned a lot about business that first summer we were here because he was looking for a business to buy. Ah. We sold everything we had up north, came down here, and he wanted to buy a business. He had been a uh, living in a. I mean, working in a corporate environment near New York City and um, and he was fed up with it so he we sold the house sold everything came down here and he looked for a business to buy so I spent the first summer I was here when I was 15 years old traveling around the state looking at businesses with him that wow. were for sale and I learned a lot that summer cool so he didn't have a plan in place essentially he just took a leap of faith and he took a leap of faith said Florida's looking real good right yeah. now <laughs> Yeah, I think we had had a bad ice storm oh, uh, the it. year before we moved down here, and we'd lost power in February for a month for for about a week, and and uh, you know, had pipes freeze in the house yeah. and all that. So I think that was the tipping point for yeah. him. What kind of business did he end up buying? He ended up buying a Mister Donut store cool. in Holly Hill. Wow. Uh, he, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and Mister Donut were big up in the Northeast at the time. That's where they both started. Oh. And um, so. We came across a Mr. Donut for sale in Holly Hill, mm -hmm. and he ended up buying that. Wow. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, how long have you, well, let's talk to listeners a little bit about what you do exactly, how long you've been in the field, and what led you to that point. Okay. I, 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 I you know, I'd been in the, uh, in another business, really the coffee and donut business. I owned Mr. Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, and then a, later a Java Junction Coffee and Donut Company. And um, and uh, I think it was uh, it was just time to move. I, I was at an age where it was time to move to something else. That business was a very consuming business, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My stores were staffed. Wow. And, and you do that for 20, 25 years, and it just wears on you. For sure, and uh, and I think the timing was right. I I um, you know that was back in two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, mm -hmm. and uh, the real estate market was booming in two thousand five. So I got my license just kind of as an aside because it everybody was making money in real estate. Right. So I figured, why not? I'd get my license. Mm -hmm. Dabbled in it a little bit really did not care for the residential side it just didn't suit me well um, do you think because it was 
just as consuming? No, no. I think I think the residential side was just. It just wasn't. I I like the analytical side. I like the business side. I was just immediately drawn to the commercial side. Got it. Was it because you had gone all that time looking for businesses with your father, and so maybe you you wanted to help others achieve that that dream? Well, I think I I think uh, that certainly played a part. Mm -hmm. I think it. um, uh, Certainly, my background. Uh, really steered me towards the commercial side. I was an accountant when I got out of college, got my degree in accounting, worked in accounting uh, for a couple years out of college. Then just the ins and outs of running a business for as long as I did mm-hmm. gave me a perspective that really lent itself to the commercial side. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you went to school for accounting and then went into the um, coffee franchise business? Yeah, well, my my fa- that had been my family business, and mm-hmm. I went into accounting out of college, and a couple of years after I got out of college, uh, my father decided he wanted to open a new store down in Port Orange, and at that time, he asked me if I wanted to come on and, and start working with him, and it and so, so it was attractive, and that's what I did. Yeah, and having that accounting background is huge. I think uh, a lot of business owners tend to kind of just shoot in the dark mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to their uh, finances and starting a business and buying properties and things like that and just kind of jumping and not uh, really just looking at the numbers, right? Absolutely. You know, every business is driven by the numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day... The numbers have to work. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. Um, tell us about your first few years in the real estate business. First few years, you know. That was 2000. Well, 2005, I got licensed. Got then I, and I really just kind of dabbled for a couple mm-hmm. years. Then put the businesses up for sale. And uh, at that time, I was in the Java Junction Donut Coffee Company business with my brother and my father and we decided collectively it was time to move on to something else so we put the business up for sale we ended up selling them in 2008 Um, so I had started preparation for my real estate business prior to that and and I just you know getting into any new business is a struggle Mm -hmm. commercial real estate uh, at the time, was it, it was going along pretty good, but then in 2008 things hit, you know, hit the wall. Right. September of 2008 is when the real estate market, the commercial real estate, actually the residential and commercial real estate market just crashed. Right. Uh, Washington Mutual was taken by FDIC. Um, there were just that was kind of the the first one that fell and then they just all started falling after that and so by that time had you already sold the other business yeah sold the other business in june of 2008 so september of 2008 my it's a nice way to start (laughs) (laughs) so but you know at the time my wife had a a good job we knew you know and no one knew how deep the the recession was going to go and how, mm-hmm. how bad the real estate market was going to be until we started getting into 
you know, the end of 2008, 2009, then you could see this wasn't going to go away quick. Right. So, yeah, we, I had a couple real challenging years there. What is, what, what is the most scary experience you had that first, that first year? I mean, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, when, you're, when you sold your business, it, it gave you some sort of nest egg to not be as stressed and having the foundation of another good income coming in. Is that, I mean, is that true? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're, we, you know, we were in pretty good position then. Good. Uh, and then, you know, what happened towards the end of 2008 is my wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And that was December, mid-December of 2008. Mm. And she ended up passing away three weeks later uh, of wow. a cerebral hemorrhage wow. related to the surgery that she had had. To take the tumor out, so, so you know that that really threw a monkey wrench into things. I had two children, uh, nineteen and sixteen at the time, and so I had a whole different set of challenges on my plate. So you took over mom, dad, a Mm -hmm. new job or a new business. Um, in an economy that uh, was recession. failing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to, if you can make it during that time, then, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest test of all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so what I did is in 2000, May of 2009, I changed companies and I came over to Caldwell Banker Commercial. And what we did is the, um, you know, we, we tried to figure out how to make lemonade out of lemons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we put to, me and four other people in my office, four other brokers in the office, put together a team, and we called it a, the commercial REO team. Okay, and what we did, and that's REO is real estate owned, uh, bank bank owned real estate. Okay, so what we did is we went out and solicited to banks. We put together a platform. Uh, that was really focused on asset preservation for banks and uh, which entailed management, uh, property management, um, uh, selling the properties and and just protecting the bank's asset as much as we could while they owned it. Got it. Okay, because they were taking back commercial properties left and right. Banks were overburdened yeah. with, with with commercial properties. They didn't know what to do. Right. They were they couldn't manage them. They didn't have the um, uh, the, the systems in place to handle that kind of volume. Yeah. So what we did is we put together a platform and we sold it into banks. And we absolutely we you know in 2010, 2011, 2012, we had very good years. So, which was really against the trend in the industry. Right. So what it sounds like is you created a package to help them manage the overflow of properties that they did not expect to have. And then in return, you're giving them that and then you're selling the property for them. Correct. How creative. Yeah. And, uh, and we, you know, we, we sold, gosh, we had to sell. In that two or three year period, we probably sold 150 properties. Wow. Um, probably more than that if you count some of the real small ones that we did some kind of real specialty stuff that we did but um but it was a 
it was an eye-opening experience. It was very creative on the guys on the yeah. part of you know our team, mm -hmm. and and we did quite well. Were there other businesses or other uh, commercial realtors doing the same thing? Oh sure, yeah. Oh, there were, yeah. and there was enough to go around for everybody. Yeah, you know, we did a lot with SunTrust Bank. We did a lot with uh, Wells Fargo Bank, Regents Bank, and then we did a lot with some smaller community banks. Yeah, wow, that's that's an awesome story. How that's that is a creative uh, way of getting the job done. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it worked out well for us. We. Um, um, the 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 largest property we sold in that period was uh, actually locally here, about ten acres on the ocean front, that was going to be the Hard Rock Cafe that they uh they the Hard Rock Hotel. I mean, they eventually moved it to another site, but uh, it was supposed to be down north of of uh, Silver Beach on the ocean right there. And we sold that for six point one million dollars wow. for a bank. Wow. That and three years prior that property had sold for twenty two million dollars. So that gives you oh, a little idea boy. of of the, the hit that the banks were taking. And that yeah. was on one property. Wow. They had a nineteen million dollar mortgage on that property. We sold it for six point one million dollars. Wow. Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a loss. But I mean, they can't I'm sure it was still some sort of relief at the same time too, just to cut the ties. Well, and for the bank, yeah. Well, they they had to because they were having to carry that property, right? Taxes, insurance, all of that, and the market was still declining. Mm -hmm. So you know, in a market where the market's rising and the bank has a, a an REO property, mm -hmm. you know, they know their value isn't continuing to go down. At that time, the market it was still going down. So the banks are looking at this saying, how long am I gonna have to carry this property before the market starts an upturn so I'm better off just getting rid of it now, writing it off and, and moving on. Yeah. So how long, and how long was that phase for, would you say, where you were selling for the banks and um, the market continued to decline? What was that? I, I, I would say the market declined through 2010 probably Okay. It probably leveled out in 2010, and then it was a very slow climb from there. And then 2012, it started picking up some steam. And I would say that people were still scarred in 2012 as well. So even though the market was picking up steam, maybe the 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 person mentally wasn't ready. The, the well, I think I, I think people who had cash at that time mm -hmm. were, were buying right. whatever they could. Yeah because they saw the market was turning. Um, the problem was banks weren't lending money. Ah. You know, they, the banks are the ones that hadn't recovered yet. Yeah, sure. They, they just weren't lending money to anybody who just didn't have a really, really strong balance sheet. And even then, they were making them jump through hoops. So it was, it was a difficult time. Do you find that both uh, buyers, sellers, and the banks that you hear them saying I'm, that they are preparing for that to happen again? Or well, I think, I think they, they're always, they always, you know, they have economists who are always predicting when the next downturn is gonna happen. Sure. And, and I think the banks understand that there will be another, I'm sure the banks understand there'll be another downturn, as do investors, but mm -hmm. I don't think we'll ever see in my lifetime a downturn 
like we saw in 2008, barring an extraordinary event. Okay. Right. So, um, because I think there are systems in place now to keep that from happening. Yes. I think things had gotten so out of hand. Yeah. Uh, banks were giving money away, you know, with a signature. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a, it was a unique time, and and so all the all the stars aligned, and it and it all came crashing down. Well, I mean, when I meet with clients, sometimes I I do hear them refer to holding on to a certain lump sum of cash to buy properties when the next downturn is, which I don't know when that is. I don't think anyone does, but I hear them reference that a lot, which is why uh, I ask that question, thinking that they may be mentally preparing for that to happen again, but they're gonna take advantage of it this time and be ready. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, the economists vary on this, but I think I think on the commercial real estate side, I think things will continue strong. Uh, I, I just read an article last week that had us going pretty strong through 2021 mm -hmm. with things leveling off somewhat, but not seeing any kind of a dip until uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Right. I mean, that's yeah. that can change. Right. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about the next phase of your uh, your career after that, uh, the re the recession phase. Let's talk from 2012 to now. So then, then you know, at that point, you had you had a lot of people who had uh, bought properties mm -hmm. in the downturn, got exceptional deals on properties. So some of those were starting to, to churn. Sure. Um, there was a lot of leasing going on because as the economy grew, uh, vacancy rate, well, when the economy was really down, vacancy rates became very high in small industrial buildings, that type of thing. So there was a lot of inventory out there. So those next couple of years, I think we were filling up a lot of the inventory, getting rid of some of the inventory. And some people were, were uh, selling properties that they had bought at really discounted rates. So that I would say that took us through 2012, 2013. So you just keep good relationships with those people. So you sold property to them for mm -hmm. obviously a very yeah. good deal. And then by the time that phase got done, then you could just swoop back around and then help them sell those properties. Right. Right, for a, a right. and and, wow. and, and cool. then then the economy really started kind of kicking into gear, and now people were expanding, yeah. and that opens up more opportunity. Sure. So that's you know something you mentioned just a second ago was relationships, maintaining those relationships. Yes. Relation. We are a relationship business, uh, by all means, and many businesses are, but but in our business in particular maintaining good relationships with property owners with uh with the business community in general mm -hmm. uh is absolutely critical to your success sure it's actually that was one of my next questions um because i feel like some people that get into whether it's real estate finance whatever the case may be they may get the wrong um idea about building relationships it might not be in an authentic way of building relationships um, so what and you're pretty easy to talk to so I think it would be fairly easy for you to keep a relationship just actually listening to people and what they have to say and um, just keeping in touch with them are there other things or other ways that you were able to keep relationships with them 
Um, I think that I think a thank you card goes a long way, mm -hmm. but I also think that uh, depending on what you send people or what you say to people, they can see right through you if you're not being authentic, right? So what I try and do is I, I try and position myself out there as a resource for, for any of my contacts. So I'll work with someone just feeding them information on a property type or a market or whatever they feel and, and it goes both ways I mean I'll provide them with information unsolicited and they, they'll call me and say hey what do you know about this what do you know about this and I'll I'll provide information for a period of years sometimes before I ever do a, a, a deal with them so it's it's a very long-term approach uh, there are people that I've been talking to for three and four years just providing information they know they can call me with questions if they have questions about a building or a, a piece of land or whatever never done any business with them but but at some point I will sure and and I think if you get enough of those contacts and relationships out there that that just feeds your business for a long period of time so it sounds like just having some patience absolutely it's easier patience. said than done patience yeah it is yeah it is and that's why I was talking about the um having some sort of nest egg when you're starting a business too because if there's nothing in the bank you're trying to pay your own mortgage your own bills keep the lights on and you're starting a business at the same time it can be really hard to think long term and be patient and not chase people mm -hmm. and again they can see that they can feel it they can i feel like they can see an energy ring around you absolutely i think you know yeah th I, I think people people pick up on that pretty quick and and I will say, you know, we although we sell property, mm -hmm. and there, you know, I'm never going to convince that sales is a part of it, but just matching needs with with uh, product is what we do. Sure. We can never create a need for a product that we sell because I'm never going to convince someone to buy. A million dollar piece of property that they don't need right yeah it's not like a, a a smaller sale where you might be able to sell someone a couch that they don't need right <laughs> yes it doesn't happen at this level right. so uh, I'm dealing with business people who know exactly what they need mm -hmm. and what they want and my job is is to go out in the market and find what they need if I'm representing a buyer or from a seller's perspective taking that product and put it, putting their property in front of as many potential buyers as I possibly can. And, and so, so there isn't a lot of selling involved. It's more getting, getting, getting properties out there. Got it. And listening. And listening. And listening. Be patient and listen. <laughs> okay. Um, what are some of the, well, we already spoke about two, but what are some of the necessary habits you feel are important in your field? So let's talk commercial specifically. Okay. I think, um, first of all, you have to be very entrepreneurial mm -hmm. because we are all uh, entrepreneurs. We, we don't make a dime until we sell a property, okay? Yep. So we don't get a salary we are all 1099 employees okay um, but 
So you have to be entrepreneurial in nature. Uh, Communication, you have to have good communication skills. You're dealing with educated sellers and educated buyers for the most part. You have to be able to communicate with those people effectively. Um, You have to be resourceful. You have to dig in corners that that, uh, you didn't even know existed to find properties and to find sellers sometimes. Um, so you have to be very resourceful. Persistence is a big one. Patience is a big one. Uh, I think specifically on the commercial real estate side and more so on the investment side, which I tend to work more, um, you have to be very analytical. Got it. You have to be able to demonstrate internal rates return on properties for a five-year hold period. Uh, you have to, you really have to analyze properties for investors. I deal a lot in in uh, investment properties, revenue producing, multi-tenant properties. So I have to be able to demonstrate to a buyer or demonstrate to a seller the value of their property mm-hmm. by analyzing uh, their leases, analyzing um, you know what the market's going to do moving forward and making some assumptions and and, and creating those those models for for the buyer and the seller. Got it. So sometimes you said you have to be creative with the seller or f- when finding the properties as well. So does that mean that sometimes maybe you have a buyer that's not, they want to invest in a certain type of property, but maybe it's not there. So you're going to um, different properties to see if people are interested in selling? I will, go, I, I will certainly them. find off-market properties for a buyer if it meets their criteria cool. and um, yeah that's and 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 that's a challenge sure. you know approaching a seller that way uh, one other you know a couple other things skills that we need is maintaining a presence in the market you know it's very difficult to maintain a presence in the market so that you're top of mind when a need arises from a property owner so over and above your relationships that you maintain, you want those calls coming in saying, hey, I, I need some advice on my property. Um, I'm thinking about selling, okay? Mm-hmm. So maintaining that presence in front of people, uh, in front of the market is, is, uh, is important. Would you say that your, I would assume commercial, I'm sorry, residential real estate is more competitive. Is that correct? I don't know. There are certainly more transactions okay. on the residential side. You know, residential, um, you know, resident, a, a, str- a good, strong residential agent might sell 40, 50 properties a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a strong commercial broker might sell 10 or 15. Sure. Uh, just, you know, the sh- by sheer numbers, there are a lot of, there are a lot more homes out there than there yes. are commercial properties. Yeah. So, so it it is competitive, and and you know I really don't know that much about the residential side, because we are a completely different animal than the residential side. Sure. And uh, there isn't a lot of overlap. I think there's some beauty there though too, because you know what you want, what type of business you want to be in. So it's it just helps you be more narrow in you know who you're looking for and. Um, I think that makes it easier for you to be top of mind for people in the commercial space. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Something I've done, 
uh, about a year and a half ago, I hired a coach, a commercial real estate coach out of Kansas City. Huh. And um, my goal was, you know, I, I had I had a pretty strong presence in the Volusia County market. But I wanted, I felt like there was a lot of opportunity in Seminole County and moving towards Orlando. Yeah. So my goal was to um, expand my business into those markets. And I started thinking about it. How do you establish a presence in a market where you don't know anybody? And, and so I hired a coach to help me do that. And it's been fairly effective. Um, we are uh, had some strong sales over there. I've got some strong listings over in Seminole County. I continue to work that market, and and it's a slow build, but I feel very confident that it'll continue. So um, that is a something I took on about a year and a half ago. So having an open mind and uh, being always willing to grow it sounds like and always willing to adapt because markets are changing the way that we get information is changing um the way that we qualify someone i believe is is changing like what we find credible so i think that's awesome that you see that and you're willing to continue to grow even though you've been in the uh, business such a long time well yeah it just creates a much larger market for me sure and and i think uh, that's I think we're all looking for that, mm-hmm. um, but but I, I really I made a conscious effort a couple of years ago to focus on the industrial uh, in the industrial market, and Volusia County just didn't have a whole mm-hmm. lot of uh, and it, I mean it has industrial properties, but sure. but I just didn't see the opportunity here that I see over there, and. So, so that's kind of why I started to move that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what would you say the benefit is of working with a commercial real estate broker versus doing it yourself? So from the consumer standpoint, or it, you said in, you work mostly with investors. So they're looking for properties to get rental income from or flip or whatever the case may well, be. Well, uh, yeah, I work with investors. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I'll say I, I have that investment piece, and then I have my general practice too, which is, you know, we're in a small market here. So while I work with investors on, on multi-tenant and, uh, and retail and industrial properties, I also will sell a 5,000 square foot building down the road or lease a 3,000 square foot um, uh, flex space, you know, unit to someone, um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, that person is that I'm establishing that relationship will be with me for years and we'll do other transactions, but we're also a smaller market. So you have to be more of a general generalist yeah. in a small market. If I were in New York city, you know, there are brokers in New York City that work a three-square-block area, and that's they don't go outside that three-square three blocks. You know, that's, that's... It's a different animal. It's a different, yeah, it's a different animal in a large market. In Atlanta, Washington, uh, Chicago, Houston, you can specialize in one property class. Even within that property class, you can be very focused 
on one particular area. In a smaller market, a tertiary market like this, we, we have to do everything. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense. So what, what would you say the benefit is of someone working with you versus just Doing looking? it themselves? Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, we, we view ourselves as um, advisors. Mm-hmm. We ma- there are a lot of risks involved in buying or selling a property, and we manage that risk for the buyer or the seller. And, you know, we have a team that we work with and and our goal is to our goal is to minimize exposure to any of those risks. And this and could be the biggest purchase of their life. Absolutely. So why not get all the resources that you possibly can? Right. Right? And and you're exactly right. And and you know there are risks that come along with properties. People buying a piece of land that don't know what they're buying. You know, they may not be. They may especially in Florida. They may close on that land and not be able to use it for what they want yes. it to. Yes, I have uh, heard that so yeah. many times. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. You know, buying a building that maybe 30 years ago was a gas station and has tanks still underground. Uh-huh. I mean, there are huge environmental issues there. So uh, we. And, and even, you know, being two blocks away from a dry cleaner uh, that was there 30 years ago when, when the soil was contaminated under the dry cleaners, but it's moved to mm. this site underground. So, you know, the, envir- the environmental piece is, is part of it. Uh, you know, we have to have a good title person that will, you know, work with us to make sure the buyer is getting a clear title sure uh, and they don't get hung up on that in the future so yeah. so yeah it's uh um there and, and and as far as sellers go working with a broker as opposed to trying to sell it themselves i think it can be easily proved that brokers using a broker will yield you a higher price than it will than, than you'll realize selling it on your own Sure. The reason for that is we get it in front of so many buyers. Mm. You know, we can really test the market and and get it, get it in front of as many possible buyers as possible, um, so that that seller gets the best return. Realizes yeah. realizes the true market price for his property. Sure. You know, properties rarely sell over market. You know mm. that that's a fallacy that I think a lot of people have is is uh, you can find that one buyer that'll pay you a whole bunch more money than, than everybody else in the market. It, it, it doesn't really work that way. Hmm. Uh, the market, uh, you know, there's so much technology out there that give us so much information. We can, we can zero in pretty well on the value of a piece of property. Cool, that makes sense for sure. Um, would you say there are other important uh, players to have on your team at the same time? So a uh, commercial realtor, um, an accountant, some sort of attorney or financial advisor? Yeah, we use there? a lot. Civil engineers are a big part of ah. um, our business with yep. some projects more so than others. Certainly environmental engineers. Interesting. Uh, um, a good title company, by all yep. means. Uh, and, and the attorney will do that title work too, but but uh, we, we employ both attorneys and uh, and title companies. 
Um, but but th- that's re- and a, and a good insurance person. Sure. You know, a good insurance person that makes sure the the buyer has the coverage they need moving forward. Yeah. So, can you take us through the process of working with a new client? Is the is the process different when you're working with a new investor versus someone more experienced? Well, if I, it, it, it depends what side we're working. So, okay. if the um, you know if an inve- if someone with a you know pile of cash comes to me and wants to buy a property, I have to really probe with that in- investor to find out what their risk tolerance is. Um, you know that. what their expectations are. Yes. What um, uh, what type of property are they comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And and then from there, do they want multi-tenant or do they want a single-tenant property? So so we have to really kind of explore all that. Once we understand that, and and really what geographic region they want to be in, because I, I sell properties all over the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, that's another consideration. Well, I think that some people, uh, they could, you know, get excited and say, I want to buy a piece of uh, commercial property. And what you just said, risk tolerance is so important and helping people navigate uh, and finding the right solution for them because they may think this, you know, buying into this property is going to be a great return. um, But you can really help them see what income they're going to get from it um, and if it's meeting that expectation as well too and if that's their only cash then I think that helps you tell them maybe this isn't a uh, the right solution maybe we should go this direction instead so you re- you're really having their back and uh, giving a second look at things so yeah right? so risk tolerance they uh, absolutely they you know if you talk to people in 2006 mm-hmm who are investing in multi-tenant properties, they're paying incredibly high, or very low, high prices, low mm-hmm. capitalization rates. And, uh, and they, they um, and then the market fell out in 2008. Now they had an empty property. That tests their risk tolerance real yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's always that, that possibility out there, and we have to have that conversation with them. You know, here's here's based on my experience. Here's what I think it will, how it will perform. Mm-hmm. But we can't guarantee that because the big unknown is what's what the market's going to do. Yeah. Um, if that happens, can you sleep at night? Yeah. Right. When right. That happens, right. Can you make so, it through? So so we um, we spend a lot of time talking about that, but but I think we build in some some factors, some vacancy and collections factors that may not exist on the property right now. So we build in uh, an allowance for those type of things. And, um, and we try and be fairly conservative in how we portray properties moving forward. Yeah, makes sense, awesome. Um, so of course not everyone is right for purchasing commercial real estate. What are some questions that one can ask themselves if they're looking to get into uh, commercial real estate investing so they can see you know if it's something that's right for them and obviously if if it is right for you you can call bob (laughs) yeah well you know i think one of the first steps is talking to a lender uh if they're going to borrow money okay because the rules are a little bit different when you're borrowing money on a 
on an investment property than, than they are if you're buying an owner-occupied property. So they need to have an understanding of that. Um, there are some really good lenders around that we, we steer people to that are just top-notch, and they're fair, they're honest. They, they, uh, they don't want, last thing they want to do is have a guy come in who isn't ready to buy a piece of property and, and buy, make a mistake. Yeah. So, so at the same time, they want to lend money. They, they want to make loans. So sure. they, they, uh, we've got some really good lenders that, that uh, people can just go talk to. Um, and, and then, you, you know, you've got to understand, are, are you going to manage it yourself or are you going to hire a, a property management company? And what are the inherent risks that come with that? Um, you know, how do you have, do you have the time to manage it yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for income now or income later? Right? Are you in, yeah, typically the commercial investor wants income now. Okay. Um, and they want a stream of income over they want to be able to predict what their income is going to be over the over the coming years and i think that's one of the things we do with some of the software we have is we can help them um identify what that what that return is going to be over a period of time that's awesome wow so overall what do you feel the benefits are of buying a a property i know you said you work mostly with Investor, so why is that a good solution? Why why is it a good thing to put in your overall portfolio? Because I I think what we've seen over time, commercial real estate uh, grows at a good solid rate. So in the long term, commercial real estate um, holds its value very well. You may have dips, Mm -hmm. but it's a and it may not. You know, when when the stock market's booming and people are making big returns on the stock market, you know that can change really quickly. Yeah. Commercial real estate doesn't fluctuate that much. It's more of a slow, steady increase in value, mm-hmm. and then you factor in the the income you're making off the property uh, today, plus that slow appreciation. Yep. Um, it's it's a good solid solid investment yeah makes sense awesome well um i think that is pretty much all of my questions do you have any other things that you want to uh share or uh anything you want to touch on any final thoughts um well you know i think i would uh i would emphasize that that uh, a little plug for my company here, mm-hmm. Caldwell Banker Commercial. We are a a uh, a strong. Uh, we're a franchise. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of resources that the company provides to us yep. for our clients, uh, as well as market intelligence and 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 you know we are experts in our property classes. We spend a lot of time studying our property classes and. Um, we take a lot of pride in the knowledge we have sure. of our uh, of our respective property classes. Awesome. Um, on top of that, I would say, you know, as a company here, we have really spent a lot of time in the last three years trying to put our growth plan together and really assessing our strengths and quantifying those and qualifying those. 
and um, putting our package together so that people using Caldwell Banker Commercial, whether it's me or someone else in my office, uh, is getting a person of integrity and is going to you know, be a straight shooter with them and, and work their tail off to make sure that their client is happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, my last question is, where can people find you? They can uh, find me at brand at cbcbenchmark.com. Okay. They can call me on my cell phone at any time, 386 295 9827 and they can certainly call the office here. And where's your office located? My office is located in Norman Beach um, at, at uh, uh, 500 five, excuse me Sorry. 570 Memorial Circle Okay. Uh, Suite 300 awesome. and we're right across from the Trail Shopping Center. Okay, great. So we um, yeah, any, any any one of those ways they can find me. Okay. So, guys, if anyone has any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to Bob. Um, if you have any questions for me, feel free to uh, shoot me an email at smcallister at ft.newyorklife.com. That's S-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R at F is in Frank, T is in Tom, dot newyorklife.com. And I will see you all or you'll hear from me next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.